I want you to imagine yourself in a legal proceeding. There's a government prosecutor arguing against you, but you are not allowed an attorney of your own. The jurors in the room were not screened for bias or improper motivations. The government can put on any evidence it wants, even if it violates the established rules of admissible evidence. You are not guaranteed the right to put on evidence of your own to tell your side of the story. Sometimes you might not even be invited or know that this is going on. After it's all over, the records will be sealed and everyone involved sworn to secrecy. Welcome to the American Grand Jury. You're listening to Race and Tyler Talk Wikipedia, Episode 2, The Grand Jury. Hey, Race. Hi, Tyler. How's it going? Going great. Glad to hear it. How's your Monday been? It's been a good Monday. I um, got to work and the internet wasn't working at the government office I work at. So we all kind of sat around for a little while thinking it would get fixed and then it didn't. And right after lunch, they just sent us all home because when you don't have the internet, there's <laughs> not a lot you can do. So kind of a interesting uh, half Monday today for me. That was a fantastic Monday. Yeah. <laughs> I wish all my Mondays were like that. (laughs) Good deal. Um, So we should, this is our second episode of podcast now. Um, And any listeners out there might not know us very well just yet. So we should introduce ourselves a little bit more, I think, right? Sounds great. So today you had a question that you wanted to lead with. So what's that question? Yes. So... This question comes um, partially because this new job I just started, um, we moved to a new place and we were able to hang up a decoration we got as a gift, which is a really cool map of the world that's like individual wooden pieces. So I walk by it every morning and I look at it a lot. It's very beautiful. My sister-in-law gave it to my wife and I. And um, so, and it's got like little holes where you can put pins for countries you've traveled to. And my wife and I have been to a handful of countries, which is kind of cool to have that marked on the map. But the question I want um, us to start the show off today with is what country, if you could go anywhere, um, would you is next on your visit list of countries that you've never been to before? So no repeat visits, but where would you go if you could go anywhere for the first time? Oh, okay. Um, Well, that is a pretty good caveat because countries that I've never been to before, I'll be honest. The country that I keep traveling to over and over again is I just keep going back to Spain. Right. Uh-huh. <laughs> and and you keep threatening to move there. Yeah, I keep threatening to move there. <laughs> <laughs> I find it such a lovely place to visit. And it's a big country, too. So every time mm-hmm. I've gone, I've gone somewhere else. You know, um, I never get tired of seeing it because it, to me, it's just always different. But I'm going to cross Spain off the list. We'll say no Spain. Um, I, I read a thing that Hemingway published in like a Life magazine or something in the 60s or whatever. And he said, I'm a fisherman. And he said that Spain has the best trout fishing in Europe. Oh, for real? So there you go. You need to move to Spain. I'll come visit you and then I'll go fishing. <laughs> I've been doing it wrong this whole time. I don't think I've <laughs> taken anything wrong. <laughs> yeah. But that's a good deal. I'll move there. I'll find the rivers and some fishing <laughs> rods and come visit. 
Okay. That's great. Um, so for me, when I like to travel, I typically base it off of like me being very comfortable. So I want there to mm-hmm. be really good weather and sure. to be good food. And I also want to be able to get by. But at the same time, there's so many places that I would visit where that's really not the case. Like if I could go anywhere in the world tomorrow, I would probably go to a place called Svalbard, which is one of the most northern island groups on the globe. It's like the closest to the North Pole or whatever. Okay. Um, It has, if you look it up on Google, it has beautiful cliffs. Like it just looks like out of a painting. It's unreal. Is Um, it like, is it part of Russia? It's part of Norway, actually. So it's like, if you follow the map and you go above Norway, you'll just get to it eventually if you keep going up the globe and if i understand correctly it has never really had like a permanent population it's just too cold for that kind of thing like (laughs) people have always known about it uh but it's never really been settled or if it has i think those settlements have failed so in an ideal setting if you know if it had a lot of infrastructure and it was like safe to go i would 100 percent go to Svalbard. Okay. I think that's my answer to the question. Okay. Uh, if we're talking realistic, though, I'd go to Japan. I think Japan, especially rural Japan, just seems so beautiful. Such good food. Very cool culture. I'm all about it. Okay, nice. I'm glad you had a double answer because I also <laughs> have a double answer. Okay, like let's see. Ideal, ideal world and then um, practical travel. So my ideal, if I could... Um, I would go to Sudan. Oh, which is kind of random, but so I did a, um, I did a kind of a project. I did a, a school report basically on Sudan um, when I was in law school. I, I wrote the, a big on um, country conditions in Sudan, and so I've always just, it's just always kind of been something that's on my radar, and it's got some of the oldest human settlements in the in the world ever and yeah it's just kind of an interesting place um it's it's on the horn of africa the nile river flows right through it um it's got a kind of an interesting mixture of of climates it's mostly as you can imagine being over there kind of on the horn of africa it's mostly deserty and but it's got the nile um and it they have their own pyramid systems there that are smaller and pointier (laughs) okay and just a little different and it just it's kind of as i was thinking like really if i could go anywhere i'd probably just say that i'd been there and it's kind of just a got a it's a curiosity that that follows me around but my actual answer um for for realistic travel would be um norway oh we both we both love norway well, and the, the, one of the reasons I want to go kind of same with you way up north is I want to see the northern lights yes. very badly. That and is- everything I've heard about Norway is just amazing. And um, I would get to see the northern lights. That would be really beautiful. My, I think my only qualms with northern Europe, and there's going to be some listeners out there who disagree with me on this. But I, think, <laughs> oh, no. I think the food is like horrible (laughs) because it is there's like no spice it's mostly Mm -hmm. like arctic fish and reindeer 
and it just does not sound very appealing it's like what if english food but more fish yeah what if english food had more fish and more fat and like less <laughs> flavor <laughs> yeah but i don't know i mean that that could just be an assumption so yeah that would that would i i hadn't considered that i mean i have heard of like the I forget the name of it, but like the pickled herring. That yeah, that kind of. Stuff. I don't think that's Norway. I think that's Finland. I can't remember. I but, feel like um, I feel like the truism of the world is that the closer you get to the equator, the better it is. <laughs> I I think I agree with that. I've also kind of always, um, I've, I've I like to envision like, you know, during the when the Columbian Exchange started and like cultures really started kind of interacting and sharing you know pineapple made it back to the united kingdom and the queen ate pineapple and stuff like that i like to imagine um like kind of all of the countries meeting in a boardroom and everyone going in being like everyone's food is probably about the same right and then like india shows up and all the people from england are like oh my god we have been we have been laboring under some assumptions up here we brought a cucumber and butter sandwich. <laughs> porridge. <laughs> and some porridge. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. The first time I, I had Turkish food, which was probably the greatest meal I've ever eaten. Oh, wow. Okay. I had, I had Turkish food in London. And I just remember thinking that like, well, Turkey has been holding out, <laughs> at least on me. I don't have a lot of contact with Turkey. And so I'm sure the first time, you know, most people have Turkish food is like, where has Turkey been? You know, <laughs> the uh the girl next door it's exactly that's exactly right turkish food is the girl next door yeah and turkish delight. which is um i think turkish food is a girl next door is a title of one of the isn't that a death cab for cutie album i was gonna say or it sounds like a short story from the 1950s <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah oh boy that's great all right we're talking about the grand jury we are and I, so, I just have to say, I neglected to introduce this about race in our last episode. But as you can clearly tell from the beginning of this episode, race just graduated law school. So, correct. which is a huge deal. It's very exciting. Big congratulations. Uh, well, as you. a result, you know a lot about the legal system of the United States, and I'm excited to hear about it. Well, I will qualify that, as all lawyers will, with, I know enough about the legal system to have graduated. (laughs) And I make no warranties express or implied that I know any more than that. (laughs) Um, But yes, so the grand jury, when we were talking about interesting ideas that you and I would have discussed if we were getting together for lunch, which is essentially what this podcast is, things we would like to talk about over lunch, but we can't because we don't live in the same state right now. Exactly. Um, the, the grand jury is definitely one of them. I think it's a fascinating kind of legal instrument, a legal um, entity, body thing that not a lot of people know about. I think we've all heard it, but um, you might have your, your mind blown a little bit by some of the things that go on. So as far as the history, um, it's quite old. It comes to the United States, to our legal system through, as most things do, through the, um, the English common law system and their, their kind of Magna Carta and all of these kind of big foundational ideas. A lot of those, almost all of our big ideas come from um, that kind of line of thinking. And, and 
the the grand jury is no exception it comes out of that however most countries have since abandoned the grand jury and there's only two countries now um that use it um regularly which is the united states and do you have any guesses tyler what the other one might be um i cheated actually i know the answer to this already uh but go ahead and tell us so it's liberia and um what can you tell us about liberia tyler we've actually talked about this yeah, we were just talking about liberia today actually liberia is such an interesting um country in the history of the world because it was like specifically created out of the environmental conditions in the united states but liberia was settled in the mid 1800s by a group of people in the united states who obviously felt that black people living in the united states would have a better chance of freedom and opportunities etc if they were in africa so a lot of um like freed slaves moved to this place in liberia which is now known as liberia and formed a nation there liberia is actually as a result it's the only country in the world besides the united states which has a capital named after an american president the capital is Monrovia. the president is james monroe um and because it was formed by a group of people from the united states they modeled a lot of their things after the u.s so their flag looks really similar the constitution is really similar and clearly the legal system is related, you know? Right. Yeah. They've, they've at least kept the grand jury, which like I said, a lot of countries had, I know Japan had it for a while. So that was like um, a majority thing. Most countries had a grand jury. I, I, I guess I can't say if it was a majority, but a lot more had it than like previously than, than now. Have okay. It. Uh, and, and for reasons that we'll talk about there are, and there are plenty of people now who say we should, abolish it and a lot of states have essentially done that in the united states so this yeah so the structure of the grand jury what it is it's it's called the grand jury literally the big jury and um a a typical jury that you think of like you get called for jury duty and you go listen to people talk about you know hear evidence and then you cast your vote law and order style that's actually called the name for that in like the law books is a petite jury so literally a small jury and so you have a big jury and a little jury. And so this is a big jury and it's big um, kind of conceptually and also size wise. So it's typically 16 to 23 people. And they're ostensibly drawn from the same pool. So just kind of the people on voter records, just like your average people that are going to be getting mail in the United States. And so it's larger in terms of people. It's also larger in terms of length. So if you got called to do jury duty for some you know, car accident case or, or a domestic violence case or whatever in your, in your city, um, you would go, hopefully not too long, but, you know, some days, maybe some weeks. Um, and once the case is over, the jury disbands and you're done. A grand jury is impaneled for a long time, sometimes months, sometimes like 24 to 36 months. Oh, wow. And yeah, and the way that it works is you obviously don't just quit your job for three years. But you are kind of like, all right, you are now on a grand jury and two days this month or whatever, um, we're going to, you know, you're going to come in on Saturday and we're going to do, do what we do. And you'll kind of be on that list and do that 
for you know maybe a year or a little more and so so it's um it's sort of a bigger commitment in in that sense and anybody can be called to the grand jury i mean the same kind of limitations as the petite jury yeah and and of course it's gonna it's gonna vary a little bit whether it's a federal grand jury or a state grand jury um the the regulations are different california has done quite a bit of tweaking to their requirements but yeah essentially it's the same i mean you could get a as far as I know, you or I could both get a notice in the mail saying we want you to come be on a federal grand jury in in Los Angeles for you, Tyler. It's like and, the draft. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> that's exactly like an obligation. Like. Yeah, it's it's a pretty big deal, and um and you know the same thing they're gonna pay you, you know whatever eighteen dollars a day or whatever it is, and give you some some food or whatever. <laughs> but so that's a grand jury, and so like I said, there's federal and state. Um, I'll be talking mostly about federal stuff today because the states all have different rules and they're a little bit, um, there's quite a bit of diversity. But for for federal, all federal felonies come through the grand jury. So if it's a federal law and it's a felony, um, the proceeding is going to kind of begin via a grand jury. If it's a misdemeanor, or if it's not a felon, or um, so yeah, if it's not a felony, it's a misdemeanor, or if it's a state law issue, which most criminal law that most of us think of is state law. So, you know, murder, assault. Oh, murder. right. Those are all state specific. That's pretty much, pretty much going to be state law. Oh. Um, federal law is when, you know, if there's a matter that the, you know, that the, gov- the federal government has expressed jurisdiction over, like the post office. So like if you if you if you rob, you know, if you take somebody's mail, is that yeah. is that a federal felony? Yes, absolutely. I, I assume that that's a felony oh. to steal somebody's mail. But it's definitely a federal offense. Yeah. So if I if I take a gun and go rob a McDonald's, um, that's I'm gonna go to state court if I take a gun and go rob a post office, which I don't know, I guess the commemorative stamps maybe. <laughs> but um if you did that, that would be a federal crime. And there's, you know, a million federal statutes and stuff but um but if you commit a federal felony it's your your process is going to start through a grand jury like i said some states use them but a lot of them have um they they all had them at one point a lot of them have um they've either just fallen into disuse because they've created alternative systems or they've outright kind of shut them down but it comes to us from the constitution in the fifth amendment It's um, a portion of the Fifth Amendment reads, no person shall be held to answer for a capital or otherwise infamous crime, which we have interpreted that to mean modern felony. So a capital crime or another infamous crime, um, unless on a uh, presentment or indictment of a grand jury, capital G, capital J. So that's where the system comes from. And um, like I said, we're one of the only country that, that hangs on to it. A grand jury's job is to um, issue or not issue indictments. And so one of my favorite kind of turns of phrase from law school, I don't know why, but if, if the, the grand jury says, um, chooses to indict somebody or essentially um, charge them with a crime, they issue what's called. And if they choose not to, it's called a no true bill. So- oh. Um, so that's kind of some fun. There's your, your, uh, $5 legal education from r- the race school. True, true. Okay. True bill right. or no true bill. 
<laughs> so, like I said, the idea of a grand jury is basically to, it's not to decide guilt, which I think when we hear jury, that's what we're inclined to think. Um, and that's just what, you, you know, when you get hauled in front of a jury, it's guilty or not guilty. But that is not the issue in front of a grand jury. The issue in front of a grand jury is, should we charge this person with a crime? So let's say, oh. let's say that, that, Tyler, that you did go and rob, um, or you're accused. We think that you went and robbed a post office. So the, the job of the grand jury would be to listen to, um, ostensibly to listen to the prosecutor, listen to the evidence and decide, should we actually take Tyler to court for this, for robbing the post office? Does the prosecutor have a good enough case? Is there enough evidence um, to proceed? Okay. And so because of that, because it's not about determining whether Tyler robbed the bank, but it's determining whether we think we could, you have a good shot of proving or not proving that Tyler robbed the bank. A lot of this, the traditional kind of um, structures or, or attributes of a jury or our legal system as, it, as we imagine it, don't apply. And so it's kind of jarring to hear. So I'll, I'll kind of list these off. So first of all, it's totally secret, which is not something that we um, kind of have. a. That's, that's kind of antithetical to most American, you know, the idea of American government is it's supposed to be in the open and the people decide and you can see a record and, and you're not going to be taken into some back room and accused of something. But a grand jury is conducted in secrecy. Um, there's also so those, so those records are not public at all like you can the the common public cannot view the proceedings of the grand jury no. there are a few wow. a few circumstances where they can be so like in a later case under certain circumstances a judge can order that certain trans uh, like the transcripts or certain um testimony be reproduced or whatever but typically okay. typically no like if if we had a if we held a grand jury to talk about tyler's robbery nobody could ever you know for the most part nobody can get to that nobody can see what was said nobody can see what was discussed um is that supposed to i mean is that supposed to protect me in that case like you know if if i didn't rob the post office but word got out that there was like a trial and stuff maybe my reputation would be on the line is that what that is yeah absolutely and that's one of the um kind of the contradictions or the 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 controversies of this is so like that doesn't sound super great like it's all secret and the jurors they leave the room can't talk about what was discussed or what evidence they saw or why they made their choices or whatever um and and you can't get a record of what the government said about you but yeah i mean if if we say look we think tyler did this and then we find out oh it was just um you know some other guy who looked just like tyler or whatever there's um the idea is well nobody needs to know that we looked into Tyler's, you know, oh, okay. all of his financial records and they don't need to know that. And, and maybe we uncovered some other things. Maybe we found out that Tyler cheats on his taxes or Tyler yeah. you know, is, is whatever he's, you know, um, has two families, one up in Quebec that he doesn't told anybody about that could, <laughs> that could all come out. You know, someday, someday. Someday. <laughs> That's the, the aspiration of new American rich is to have the, uh, that's a yeah, that's whatever American dream. It's the secret Quebec family. Canadian family. Um, <laughs> that kind of stuff could come out in the process, 
of investigation and witnesses and stuff. And if it's not relevant and we just determine, well, Tyler didn't commit a crime or we don't think we can charge him with one, then yeah, the idea is that that protects you um, because if there's, if we're not going to bring charges, then none of that should ever see the light of day. But you can also see how, you know, that's, that's kind of a double-edged sword because if, if it does proceed to trial, there's still plenty of stuff that will never come out. Like we won't know necessarily what the government said in that room to get, um, you know, whatever evidence they, they said they had against you. Well, that's kind of creepy. It's a little creepy, but like we said, it's kind of a double-edged sword. So this is a common sort of, um, you know, if you, if you take an advanced criminal procedure class in law school, they'll say, all right, let's talk about does law, does a, a uh, grand jury make you uncomfortable? Are you comforted by the idea of it? And one of the other elements of that is the burden that's going on. So in a criminal court, um, or in, in a, like, yeah, if you think of a, a standard criminal trial, so Tyler robbed a, a McDonald's, the government would have to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that you did it. And if a juror says, I have reasonable doubts, there's, you know, I don't think that that, that was Tyler, or I think that there's a possibility, a reasonable possibility that it wasn't, then, then that's, that's the burden. The burden is always, that's the first question you ask in law. Who has the burden and what is it? What has to be proved and who, and who has to prove it? And in a grand jury, it's just reasonable suspicion, reasonable belief. Mm, and that's okay. totally different. That's not beyond a reasonable doubt. That's just, could this, basically, could this have happened? Is it, is it, is it not crazy that Tyler robbed this post office? which I would much rather have them prove it beyond a reasonable doubt than just prove that there is a reasonable suspicion. And well, that just seems so easy to prove, right? Like, yeah, there's suspicion for everything. I don't know. That seems very low. It, yeah, it definitely is. It's certainly a lot lower than, than what you would get in a criminal trial. And okay. one of the results of that is a, um, a lawyer in the seventies, an anonymous lawyer who's never cited to, but, um, or never attributed to a specific lawyer, but this has become one of the most famous kind of phrases in criminal law is that um, any prosecutor worth their salt could indict a ham sandwich okay. <laughs> in, in a grand jury because of what you're saying. It's a low bar and um, it's done in secret. And so any, you know, any, any prosecutor who knows what they're doing could um, uh, kind of extrapolate it on that quote as one that somebody, or that, that is often said too, is that um, any you know, any per- I could, I could, I could get a grand jury to agree that any person at any time committed any crime, or that there's okay. there's at least reasonable suspicion that you know, name a person, name a crime, and I could, I could talk these people into at least saying, well, it's possible that it happened. Um, okay. But the downs, the the flip side of that is, what what would we have the the burden be? Because if the burden then is, well, let's make it be beyond a reasonable doubt. Well, then all we've done is we've just done your criminal trial and it's in secret. Yeah. And so, so the lower burden while kind of jarring at the beginning is, um, makes sense when, again, you think about this. Yeah. Yeah. It's not about guilt. It's just about, do we think we can proceed to determine guilt? And then, and you, so you were saying that you cannot be, tried in the courts for a federal felony if you have not been first indicted by the grand jury right that's how all federal felonies get to court is a grand jury says we issue a true bill and tyler is indicted for robbing this post office so in that sense it makes sense because it's like if it's going to trial there has to be some kind of suspicion that the case even happened to begin with 
Exactly. Okay. And, and that's kind of the idea um, in theory and particularly historically, this was like a, um, a shield between the common people. So if you think back, you know, 600 years in England, um, 600 years ago, the there was obviously a great power disparity between the the you know the legal system of the of the kingdom and a common person and so this was viewed as as a shield of saying the king could just accuse anybody of doing anything at any time but until you can convince like 15 people that you actually have some evidence saying that this happened you can't you can't haul this guy into court or this 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 gal into court and so in that sense historically and in theory today it's a shield um, okay. that protects people but um, and this is kind of the other terminology you'll hear in, in law school it's is it a shield or is it a sword in the in the hand of the prosecutor that they can use to kind of bully people and another element of that is the evidence rule so um, the worst grade that I got in any of my law classes was in evidence <laughs> it's uh, it's evidence is um, there's the federal rules of evidence that you you have to learn in law school. And you know, especially if you're going to be a trial attorney, for some people, that's the last they ever think about it. But if you want to do criminal law, be a trial attorney, you have to know, you know, what's what's admissible, what objections you can bring. And it's it's everything you've seen on T on TV, like you can object for something being, you know, he's badgering the witness or she's, um, you know, that question has been asked and answered or that's irrelevant or whatever. And those rules do not apply in a grand jury. So, for instance, if I wanted in a criminal trial to say, you know, I bet Tyler robbed that McDonald's because that's just the kind of guy he is. And he's got he's got like he's just obsessed with Dr. Pepper. So it wouldn't surprise me at all if he if he robbed that that um, that McDonald's. Well, that's pretty damning. Yeah. <laughs> Um, that would typically not be allowed because on what basis are you saying that? Did you see something? You know, it's supposed to be your testimony. So did you see something? Did Tyler say something? Um, those You're are typically just... the things you can testify about. Okay. But in a grand jury. So that would be like, that would be an objection moment. Is that what we're talking oh, like yeah. law and you order? You could say like, um, yeah, like there's no foundation for this evidence. Or you could say, well, I've heard a lot of people say that Tyler's a scumbag. And you'd say, well, that's oh, hearsay. Like, hearsay. Yeah, that's not, um, that's an, a statement somebody made out of court that you're trying to use to prove that Tyler's a scumbag. Whereas, mm. um, so, so we could say, you can't discuss that and the jury should not consider that. Whereas here, you can talk about somebody's character. You can inject your own, you know, a witness could come in and say, well, I didn't see anything, but I think Tyler is X, Y, and Z or whatever. And Goodness. yeah. So again, kind of freaky. <laughs> feels like how could we let this happen but and would, would i be able to speak for myself like is the um i don't know what the word is is it the plaintiff or the defendant like is the defendant brought into this proceeding um oftentimes they are there most states are now moving towards that you have to be notified and that you sometimes have to be in attendance but not everywhere requires that you even be told about this Oh, move. Yeah. But so again, it kind of, I feel like it kind of balances out, or at least there's an argument for. So let's say we want to indict, you know, uh, well, let, let Jeffrey Epstein, let's use that. So a powerful person with lots of money, lots of connections, and an ability to flee the country. If we don't want him to know that we're building a case against him, 
then maybe it's to our advantage to say, look, do you think we have enough evidence? Can you sign off saying, you know, us 20 citizens think this prosecutor, you know, is justified in, in proceeding. So it's the, this, it's kind of a, it's the grand jury is a big, you get tugged both ways. Like, well, that doesn't sound right. And then you're like, well, okay, I guess I can see. And is that what they did with Jeffrey Epstein? They did like a grand jury in secret without his knowledge. I'm not sure of the details of his case, but I, if, you know, given kind of the facts that I know just offhand, that those, there, there definitely were probably some federal crimes because it was taking place um, across state lines. And there's, you know, probably some other federal um, all, most almost all crime involving computers is considered federal because it's interstate, uh-huh. and so so there's lots of stuff that um, you know any sort of sophisticated criminal organization or operation um, often will end up in federal court on some at least one of the charges of it. But if that were oh. the case, and it was like I said, a rich person who has the ability to flee, you if if you had the ability as a prosecutor, you probably would want to do it in secret. Yeah, not okay. inform him until until there's charges, and then of course you have to serve those charges on him. You have to make it known, and that's when everything gets gets made public. Okay, that makes yeah. sense. Oh, okay. But so, as I was saying about the evidence rules, kind of the other side of that is this also allows witnesses to come in and kind of speak freely. They don't have to worry about you know, the strictures of what's going to happen later in a courtroom about, well, you can only say this if you have a rat, you know, no, just tell us what you know, what you've heard. Um, We kind of want to hear, almost hear everything, even though later on it might not be able to be used. We want to get a full picture is, is what a, is what kind of the, the pro grand jury argument would be. We want to hear everything we can so that we know whether these, um, these charges are appropriate or whether we should proceed. But that's a pretty good list of like fairly fundamental American kind of safeguards and things that that um, about our legal system that are that are important that really go out the window in this grand jury. And so that sort of leads me to my final point and kind of the crux of the grand jury argument is, is this a hurdle for the prosecution to get over, which is what it's intended to be? We're going to hold the prosecutor's feet to the fire. We're going to make sure they're not just charging people with with stuff that they can't prove. We want to make sure that this prosecutor, that she's actually got evidence that she's not making this up. She's not just flying by the seat of her pants. Um, so is it that, or is, do we buy the ham sandwich argument and, and do we see kind of some danger in that? Because if it's true that a prosecutor can just go in and say, look, there's not a, there's not a defense attorney here. Tyler can't really speak up for himself. I can put on any, um, any witnesses that I want and they can say sort of whatever they want, uh, rules of evidence be damned. Um, maybe we do buy the ham sandwich argument. And then in that case, it can become um, like a tool for intimidation. So think about that. If, if you are, um, you know, making waves, if you're in a whistleblower type situation or you're trying to, you know, um, I mean, I think the Me Too movement is a good example, like people speaking out about something that's going on. And then all of a sudden, um, you know, you're being charged with, well, you're, um, you know, whatever federal charge somebody could counter, you know, come back at you with 
Um, if it's just, if it could be used as a tool for intimidation and harassment. And, um, and so and the example that, that I would give is, would you feel comfortable turning over your new business, all your finances to an accountant who was under grand jury investigation for fraud? Right. Just the, like the label yeah, of that it. That sounds is... terrible. <laughs> like, like that sounds terrible, but as we've said, yeah. it doesn't have anything to do with guilt. It doesn't, all it means is like, we're thinking about trying to decide if there's evidence that this crime co- was even committed. Right. And you know, when I hear the name grand jury, I think it, I associate it like with the Supreme court where it's like the name grand yeah implies that it has some kind of final stamp or authority when it actually doesn't right it's like not even related to the verdict exactly it's 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 just like it could prevent it from getting to trial but other than that it's like no it's not sending anybody to jail definitely not it's not it's not even sending anybody necessarily to a trial where they could be found innocent (laughs) um yeah (laughs) and in that sense it's exactly like you know taco bell nacho grande (laughs) All it is is some sour cream. Just some sour cream. By the name, it's exactly the same. It's just branding. It's just a little bit of guac and some sour cream. <laughs> so, um, and this is this is all relevant, um, specifically right now when we're recording this because there's lots of talk about um, Breonna Taylor and the grand jury that's investigating the police officers that are accused. Yeah. We just got an indictment a couple days ago, didn't we? From was it the grand jury then? And I didn't realize this when all this was coming out. So I don't know if I have my details right, but yeah, maybe it was like a week or so ago that those officers, or maybe only one of them, was indicted. Yeah, yeah. so they they were all subject to a grand jury. So basically, they went in and and it was like, let's decide if we should take these people to trial, if they should be formally accused of committing any crime, and um, and you know things could change, and and I don't want to. I'm sure nobody's coming to us as the foremost, you know, source on this, but I'm pretty sure the only one of the offers officers was, um, came out of the grand jury proceeding with, um, with a, um, an indictment, which again, all that means is, is, okay, we're going to go ahead and and take this to court and see, see what we can prove or what we can't prove. Um, and so that, so by extension though, that means that the other two are not going to be going to trial. Correct. Mm-hmm. And so, again, if if we if if this is kind of viewed as a tool that a prosecutor can manipulate the way they want, then um, then there might be great reason to not have any faith in that and say, well, maybe those officers should have been indicted and you just chose to present the evidence in a certain way or or, you know, kind of corral the, the whole proceeding in a certain direction so that the jurors again, if it, it, it's the opposite implication of I can indict a ham sandwich, which is also well, I can, you know, I can get a ham. I could, I could also get a very guilty ham sandwich. Um, yeah, I'm. Well, it's making me think. Like, who is this prosecutor? <laughs> if the thing with the grand jury is that it should be so easy to indict somebody, what is what goes? What is going on with these two officers not getting indicted? That that's wild to yeah, me. Yeah, and 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 so prosecutors have a great deal of discretion. And there's, in theory, procedural safeguards in place. And, and I mean, the grand jury is one of them. Like, you have to be able to prove. Yeah. That's, that's the point of this, is you have to go into this room, and there's 20 citizens there, and you have to say what 
say what the evidence is, um, ostensibly say, you know, what, 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 you know, and then say, do you think we should charge or not? But, but it is, and it was designed to be very, um, to be very flexible. Like we want it to, as we've been talking about, the rules are a lot more lax. There's not as many, you know, it's not as formal so that it can kind of, that's, that's one of the, that's a, an advantage and not a, not a, not a bug, but, right. but then it, it calls into question why um, it, you know, if, if it's that easy to manipulate, like you said, who's the prosecutor? Did they do a good job? Mm-hmm. And, and maybe we won't, we won't ever know. And we don't know because it's all yeah. secret. Well, I wonder how much of that is actually, or did I even see an article saying that that information is being brought yes. out? Yes. So, so again, um, from the little that I know about it is they're kind of taking the uncommon step right now of releasing some of the grand jury okay. testimony. So that's an anomaly. Yeah. yeah. And, and so that's, that's another safeguard that exists that, you know, if, if, if we need to get into it, we can, in some cases and for some things, we can kind of peel back the, the curtain and look and see what went on in there. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's a, it's a controversial thing. There's, there's a reason why a lot of countries and a lot of states have kind of done away with them. And the alternative um, system is that you have a preliminary hearing or something um, or a, a similar, um, similar proceeding, typically in front of a judge. So basically, um, you go in front of a judge, and instead of a, you know, a room full of citizens that a prosecutor talks to, it's two lawyers and a judge and they make basically their um the another five dollar word from law school is prima facie um mm-hmm. the prima facie case will just basically like okay if you're trying to prove that there was arson you have to show me that there was a fire that it you know was intentionally set you have to prove those things and if you can at least show that there's you know and so you kind of have to stand there in front of the judge and it's say like fair exactly yeah. like I, I i can show that i have at least the bones and that this is worth the court's time to take to trial and so that's the alternative gotcha. and a lot of states do it that way and um so is that the better way maybe maybe not um and i think even even critics of the grand jury um you know no, no matter which side of the grand jury you find yourself on um, in terms of your opinion of it there are some really interesting procedural safeguards that are there. Like in some cases it's like, I want a grand jury to hear if I'm being accused of something, please take this in front of a grand jury because I, you know, I wasn't there or whatever, but then at the same time, Mm -hmm. if it's, you know, it it can cut definitely cut both ways. And it's, it's kind of an interesting and thorny controversial institution that we have in our system. Well, I'm wondering like, if you think about like the worst case that this is supposed to prevent. So pretend the King of England in the 1300s is like, I want him executed for a crime that I made up, you know? And then you have a grand jury in the way that's supposed to, that's supposed to protect the citizen in that case. Then why are the rules of evidence and testimony lax for those proceedings? Shouldn't they be, just as rigorous that's a great question i mean i I, and i i I think there are people making that argument for sure i wonder maybe it's like just logistically maybe it's a time saver i don't know but that it seems like if you're trying to prevent 
you know, from like a false crime or anything, then you should have just as rigorous rules for right. evidence. Yeah, that makes sense. This is that's just just another reason why we should elect Tyler Moore king of England. <laughs> I'm running for king of, king I, of England in 2020. Previously said on the record many times, Tyler should be the king. <laughs> if any of you listening are upset with the way that the queen has handled her past 96 or 97 years then vote time 2021 uh, what? no i'm kidding i would be a terrible king of england i don't know how to speak in a british what accent dogs, you would get rid of the corgis for a day what dog would oh, you the corgis the corgis are very cute but the, no 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 that is not my style at all we would have doberman pinchers Followed by a couple little cute Jack okay. Russells. All right. All right. Yeah, it's a vibe. Now, that, now that's a platform we can all get behind. No, that's, that's a platform we can all get behind, yeah. No, so I'm um, just like a few last questions about this. I'm just wondering, like, and maybe this is, you know, too speculative, but do you think I'm like, do you think the fact that somebody has been indicted by a grand jury in the end influences the judge or the jury's decision in the case? Like, do they think, oh, they made it this far. They already got indicted. Mm, I'm leaning right. towards guilty. Well, by definition, it, it kind of has to, because if if there wasn't an indictment, then they wouldn't you know you wouldn't be in that in that courtroom sitting at the defense table accused of a crime um and and you'll you'll get that um you'll get that attitude sometimes which i think is is extreme but people say you know well if they're accused of it then obviously somebody there's people all along in the system have thought they did it so i'm i'm I, i'm already coming into this courtroom thinking that that they're guilty Kind of yeah. And that's yeah, uh-huh. in law school and especially trial attorneys learn to pick jurors and the questions you ask and and you kind of want to groom mm-hmm. or to, to comb through and figure out what are these people's motivations, which, by the way, is also something that doesn't happen in a grand jury. Um, you don't have the opportunity to oh, it's not no, you don't have the opportunity to strike grand jurors like like you do normal jurors. But, um, oh. but that's one of the things that you would want to look out for is like, are you predetermined? predisposed to think that because this person has been indicted or the police, you know, arrested him or her for this crime, does that make you think already that they're guilty? And so I think, yeah, that's a real concern. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the footnotes for our episode about the grand jury. So, Svalbard. Tyler said it was one of the most northern island groups on the globe and that it had never had a permanent population. But this is not quite accurate. In modern times, it was settled as a mining town and now has a population of about 3,000, many of whom appear to work in scientific research. That, by the way, is about the population of my hometown. By the way, Svalbard was also used as a location in the fantasy series The Golden Compass, even though it's a real place. Number two... We wanted to note that the settling of Liberia was not entirely in good faith. Uh, There were those abolitionists who sincerely thought that Liberia would be a good escape for freed slaves, as we discussed in the episode. But Liberia was also promoted by slave owners, 
who felt that the presence of freed slaves in the U.S. was a threat to them. In other words, having freed, empowered slaves around would make other slaves want to rebel and make whites more sympathetic to abolition. Third, um, a note on the Breonna Taylor case. In the last few days, two grand jurors have spoken out to criticize what went on in the proceedings. And their criticism is mostly that the prosecutor only allowed the grand jury to consider charges of criminal endangerment, not anything more serious like manslaughter or murder. It appears that the grand jury saw the evidence, issued a true bill for endangerment, and were like, we would issue a bill for something more serious as well, but the prosecutor did not present them with those charges to consider, saying they didn't think that they could make anything more serious stick. So this is an interesting reversal of some of the criticism we discussed in the episode. Here, a grand jury wants to get more aggressive, but the prosecutor won't let them consider those more advanced charges. And this underscores, as Tyler pointed out, the role and importance of the prosecutor in the entire proceeding. Thank you so much for listening to this episode, and we hope to have you back for our next episode as we discuss the history of England, particularly in the High Middle Ages. Thanks. Thanks.